Welcome to another episode of The Self-Doubt Solution, the show that helps entrepreneurs overcome the self-doubt that holds them back from achieving the next level of success, impact, and personal freedom. The Self-Doubt Solution is hosted by the freedom architect, Mario Lanzarotti. Listen as Mario and his inspiring guests share practical insights and tools that help you find the shortcuts to exponential growth and success in all areas of your life. Learn how to build the mindset you need to create a life of true abundance, freedom, and fulfillment. And now, here's your host, Mario Lanzarotti. Welcome to the Self-Doubt Solution. My name is Mario Lanzarotti, and today I have the plum-pleasing pleasure of interviewing my friend, Mark S.A. Smith. Mark is a author of several books. He's a speaker, he's a consultant, he's a coach, and besides that, he's a fabulous human being. And Mark has worked with juggernauts from IBM, Dell, Bank of America, Lockheed Martin, and he's been described as a change agent and as someone who has profound knowledge and experience in helping individuals as well as teams reach levels of excellence. Mark, there's not enough words that I can bring forward today to describe who you are and what you do because you have such a vast uh, range of experience. Mark, I'm really humbled to have you here on my show and I would love to have you introduce yourself and also let all of our listeners know where you are speaking from because you have an amazing lifestyle. <laughs> Thank you, Mario. With an introduction like that, I can't wait to hear what I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think, I think it's best that I work with vision makers intent on changing the world, mm. reach more people, make a fair profit and avoid the traps that befall most change makers. And it's all those words are really important to me. I, I like to work with people who are vision makers. Those are people who have a vision for the future that need assistance manifesting that vision and they're willing to take action. There's a lot of people that have wonderful visions, but you know they don't take action. They, they become reactionary and they get addicted to sitting in the visionary state, but there's no action that comes out of the visionary state. And quite frankly, vision without action is just, it's quite frankly, spiritual masturbation. <laughs> just, there's nothing wrong with that, but you're not gonna change the world if that indeed is your, your driving vision. And the, the reality is that if we're going to change the world, we have to reach more people. Yes. The more people we can, we can reach, the more we can change the world. We must make a fair profit because that is the indicator that what we're doing has value for the world. When people say, oh, I'm not about the money. Well, first of all, they're liars because if it's not about the money, they don't make any money. Money is a way of keeping score, but it's also a way of proving that you have value to people that have not yet connected with you. And, and so the money is a, is a critical aspect, but it's not the driving prime aspect. It is the byproduct of the change we bring to the world, but do not throw away the money. The money is how we create change. Because money is liquid labor. It allows us to get things done. And so when we work with change makers, the first thing we have to do is fix their relationship with money if it's broken, or we have to fix their relationship with money if it's uh, sociopathic. In other words, I'm out to make every dollar I can make. Well, that's 
you know, that those are the people that slash and burn and rape and pillage. And that's not the change that we really have in mind, although that has changed. It's just not a change we have in mind. And the, one of the challenges that change makers have a lot of traps that befall them. And a big piece of that is because they, they typically have really generous hearts. They're givers. And one of the traps of change makers is that because of their giving nature, they tend to be, uh, well, they tend to be preyed upon by takers. And givers must have boundaries because takers don't. And so I work with organizations that wish to make these changes to help them identify these things. And I've written a number of books about how to do this and, and how to approach this. And that's what I love to do. And so, Right now, I'm speaking to you from a very small fishing village in Florida called Steenhatchee. And it is the closest Walmart is a 45 minute drive. That, that it tells you how far in the middle of nowhere I am. This little fishing village has two gas stations and a credit union. There is no downtown. The uh, sheriff's office is a double wide trailer sitting on the edge of the high school ball blind. That's how small this thing is. And I love being here. I'm a nomad. I uh, live in a small house on wheels. It's towed anywhere I want by my truck. And um, some people call them a travel trailer. <laughs> That's everything I need. And I've been enjoying the nomadic lifestyle, something I've dreamed about ever since I was 23. Uh, I've been doing this for two years and I absolutely love it. I don't see it ending anytime in the near future. It's actually cracked open my world because I can go any place I feel like it. I can, I can go where the weather suits my clothes. I get to meet extraordinary people. In this part of the planet, everybody here is so kind. A couple of days ago, a handful of, of oranges and grapefruit showed up on my back door. People are just very generous. It's just a fun place to be. <laughs> <laughs> so does that give you a, night, a, a background enough of what I'm doing? And it does, it I'm does. Going? And there's there's so many things that I, that I want to dive in. And, and first of all, I want to you know just acknowledge you for being an inspiration because so many people that have already had extensive experiences in their life they just settle you know they just say oh i've seen so much i've done so much you know ah, you know who am i to now go further and for you it's just like i'm just scratching the surface i'm just getting I'm, started <laughs> i'm just reinventing myself again and again and again and i love that you're you know now turning back to the nomadic lifestyle and you're you're taking your curiosity wherever wherever you want to go and i think that's that's amazing and a lot of a lot of a lot of my listeners are you know uh, in their in their 30s and I, and i want you to take notice that it doesn't matter where you are in your life there's always a reason to go after what you really really want so absolutely true i love that uh, you know, you know i'm I'm, I'm, an, I'm an old sage, you know, obviously an old guy. Right now I'm 63. You know, I expect to be here for at least another 60 years. Otherwise, I'm going to be really pissed. Yes. <laughs> and, and, you know, it, it feels like, you know, I only, I only figured, feel that I figured out life when I turned 60, which is the craziest thing, you know. And, of course, I figured, I figured that I had the world wired when I was 18. I figured I had the mm -hmm. world wired when I was 23. I figured I had the world wired when I was 32. I figured I had the world wired when I was 47. And what I realized is I had that part of the world wired. I didn't have the whole world wired. I still don't have the whole world wired, but the, the amount that I have wired is a whole lot bigger than it used to be. <laughs> and, and I think that something that I've observed recently, Mario, is that frequently when, when people want to continue on, they want to go ahead and they want to do something else, 
and they think about it, they feel tired. I don't know if I've got the energy to do that. Yes. And what they're thinking about is actually the learning curve they went through the first time. Mm. And every time that you go through another iteration, it gets easier because there's less to learn. The learning becomes more refined and less physical. And so I, I encourage people to reinvent myself, their sales. This is about my fifth reinvention in my life at the companies I founded and closed. And, and quite frankly, this one is getting easier and easier and easier because I know more. I don't make as many mistakes. I make different mistakes, but I don't make the same mistakes I made when I was young, exhausted. Yeah. So, you know, part of this is don't be, don't let the learning curve of the past hold you back from the learning curve of the future. They're different. And they're a whole lot easier and you have a different level of motivation. You know, that gets back to the traps that I was mentioning, traps that change makers fall into is that's one of them. So, so I love that. And I definitely want to dive into these traps that you're talking about for change makers, because most of the people listening to this podcast are change makers by nature. And I want to ask you, you know, you, I'm assuming you weren't born with this level of wisdom, insight, and, and, and impact that you're having now. You know, as you said, there's a actually, learning curve. Actually, actually, Mario, I was born with it. I just didn't remember it. I correct myself. That is, that is much, <laughs> much better. That is much, much better. Yes. You know, life is actually a series of remembering mm. that which is part of you. It's all in our DNA. It's all there. It's just what, what if we forgot, we forget everything when we arrive on this planet. And then our job is to go through a, the re, a reminding process. Yeah. And as we increase our level of consciousness, it's nothing more than being reminded of more and more and more and more and finer and finer elements of consciousness. That's the reality of it in my experience. Not everybody's going to agree with me. I agree I, with I, you. I find it's actually. And I want to ask a question. Yes. Can I ask you a question there? Because for, for many of our listeners, they might not quite get that concept of, well, what do you mean? Uh, you know, when I was a child and then, you know, I was in school, then I was shy and, you know, like I didn't, uh, I always felt like I was an introvert. And then it took me so many, so much training and, and coaching until I finally had the confidence to speak up and do a workshop, you know, and now you're telling me, all you need to do is remember what, what, what does that even mean so can you elaborate a little bit on that well certainly part of this is a spiritual conversation you don't mind that do you uh, i love it all right well uh, my experience is that we know everything we need to know but we have to be reminded of it and part of our memory is 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 blocked by experiences along the way so somebody says you know if you don't know you can't do and so that particular block gets installed, usually in school. You don't know what you're doing. You can't do that. And I rejected that early on. You know, and my rejection was, I can figure it out, which means I know what it is. I just haven't remembered it yet. Mm. And so then the path becomes a series of memories. How do I know this is true? The reason why I know this is true is because when I have an experience of memory, it doesn't go away. Somebody once asked me, Mark, how do you remember all these amazing things? The answer is because it's always been there. It's always there. I can always access it. It's just a matter of me asking the right question and wow. the answer will come. Wow. 
And, you know, one of the promises, you know, from uh, the, the teachings of Jesus the Christ is ask and it is given. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. It's not maybe and it's not might be. It is will be. Mm. And so if you claim that particular vision of I have all the answers, all I have to do is ask for them. All I have to do is seek them. All I have to do is knock and all of them will be given to me. And if you declare that as a change maker, all the answers are within your reach. The question then is, how much time will it take based on your resistance, based on what you've already remembered, or maybe have been falsely remembered, because sometimes we get false memories planted. If you don't know, you can't do as a false memory. So part of this is clearing away the false memories and then accessing the true memories. And I remember this stuff because it's part of me. How do you remember all these things? It's part of me. Now... This is really powerful. I'm loving this. And I want everyone to listen carefully to this because this will save you so much time, money, and energy that you would be spending just continuing doing the same stuff that most people are telling you. I love this. And it, and it, it's, it sort of highlights the notion of coaching. Coaching, yes. you know, you're a coach, I'm a coach. It is unearthing that which, has, which is already there. And you're saying it so, so perfectly. You're saying, you know, I already know. And there's so many people that say, I don't know, just, I don't know, I don't know, which is a self-protection story from actually going and accessing the knowledge. Because I believe once you access the knowledge, now you have responsibility. And you're like, well, I can no longer hide in that. So now I can actually take action. Ooh, that's scary. Ooh, something's going to change in my life when I take action. Uh, no, I don't know. <laughs> I just don't know. <laughs> That, that reminds me of a conversation we had early when we were talking about a particular topic and and you said that's the scary part now if i knew that that's the scary part and, and i love that because the scary part is the growing edge and the scary part is is the part of our body that says i i'm not i don't the unknown to me is is a scary thing and all vision makers flip that the unknown is the exciting thing there's nothing scary about the unknown. Nothing, nothing scary about the unknown. It's just is something that we just haven't had revealed to us. And our entire life is a revelation of the unknown to the known. And you're absolutely right that as a coach, I actually consider myself to be a sage and coaches just happens to be the word that my clients relate to. And a sage mm. extracts the wisdom from others. It's not about my wisdom. It's about the extraction of their wisdom, their internal wisdom. Because once I help them see that internal wisdom, they have it forever. They don't have to remember anything. The revelation is there. They now see it. They now know it. They now own it. It is part of their body. It was part of their body. They just didn't realize it was there. And that's what a great coach does. It provides perspective so that you can open up your mind to see things from a new angle and go, Oh, and you know, you've experienced epiphanies. I've experienced epiphanies. Yes. Epiphany is nothing more than the sudden understanding. It's just like all the pieces drop into place that suspends anxiety. Epiphanies suspend anxiety and they make the past make more sense and they make the future look brighter because you now have a new insight you didn't have before. Yet the reason why an epiphany exists and it works so well is because it's just something you had forgotten. Epiphany is a reminder, and it's that, oh, there it is. Oh. <laughs> yeah. That, you know what that reminds me of? That's this, 
Like when I used to live at home with my parents, my, you know, I used to open the, the cupboard and like, mom, I'm looking for this thing, you know? And, and it's like, it's in the cupboard. I'm like, no, it's not. Yes, it's in the cupboard. No, it's not. I, I, I looked and then I go out and I'm, no, I, I know it's not there. And then, you know, she walks with me and it's like, it is there. Look, open it up and I see it. And like, oh, oh, wow, it's there. Yes. So, you know, the mind, as this is a podcast about mindset, the mind has the ability to actually make you not see the things that are right in front of your eyes by you cultivating a story that says, no, I know it's not there. It's not right. It's not right. I don't have that. I'm not confident. I'm shy. I'm shy. I'm shy. I'm shy. I'm shy. Okay. So you literally cannot see the parts of yourself that prove the opposite. That's absolutely true. Our mind, the human mind specifically, is really good at creating illusions. And mm. it's the only it's the only mind on the planet. Animals don't have this capability. They can't create illusions. They see what is see the world for what it truly is. And in some cases, I would say that animals have higher consciousness than humans because of their capacity to see truth and see the world as it is. But as humans, we have the capacity to create illusions. And a lot of us live in an elusive world. This is the reason why two people can walk down the street and have completely different experiences because they're viewing the world through the elusive mind. And uh, one person sees nothing but beauty and joy and perfection. The other person sees nothing but horror and, and, and dirt and trash and, and, and misery. Same exact experience filtered through a different lens. And you get to choose your lens. That's the coolest part about this planet. You get to choose it. But the problem is the illusion is so persistent and so complete that most people can't see beyond their illusion. They say, well, this is what's true. Yes, until you change your filter. And then you're going to see a different level of truth. And of course, this is what makes life interesting. This is yeah. what creates contrast. This is what creates differentiation. If we all thought alike, it would be awful. Terrible. I mean, I don't want somebody who thinks like me. I don't want to hang out with people that think like me. I want to have, think, I want to hang out with people that think differently than me. But we have the same fundamental goals. We have the same fundamental objectives. We have the same fundamental principles. I prefer to work with people who are heart-based. I prefer to work with people who see positive opportunities. I prefer to work with people who are generous spirits. I prefer to work with people who want to make a difference that's true, lasting, and meaningful. And as long as we have those alignments, I want to talk to people that are different viewpoints and different yeah. experiences and, and different approaches. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that, and I and I'm, I totally agree. You know, one of the things that really helped me find a greater sense of self-acceptance was these this idea that. The universe, God, loves variety. I don't know where I heard it, but it made a lot of sense because I try to I try to make sense of, of, of life by looking at nature. You know, you were bringing the example of animals. And if you look at the jungle, what do you see? Variety. There's so much variety there. It's just like mind-boggling. So when we look at ourselves, yes. we're like, oh, I should be like this guy over here. Oh, I should be like this girl over here. It's like, but I'm different. I look different. I'm shorter. I'm taller. I'm bigger. I'm this. It's like, yes, you are. And that's amazing. And, and that's that variety like, that you talk about that, that, that really creates the flavor of life. 
because otherwise it would be terribly boring. And I want to ask you a question. You know, you, you talked about this illusion and I would love to hear what was it like for you in some far back time in the past when you were living in this illusionary world and you were making your life much harder than it has to be? Well, frankly, Mario, I've just traded one set of illusions for us, another set of illusions that's a lot more fun. <laughs> it's still it's still an illusion. You know, it's my illusion. I just happen to choose one that's a lot of fun instead of one that was more miserable. But yes, of course, you know, my primary illusion that drove my life for a long time is the need to get sell, to, to achieve acceptance and and uh, be seen as valuable was through being the smartest guy in the room. Mm -hmm. The reason why I wrote books is because, you know, I was smart and I could prove it. Here's the book I wrote on the topic. And that, that allowed me to shut down a lot of argument. Well, did you write a book on this? No. Yeah. Well, I did. And while that's mean and cruel, in retrospect, that was what gave me my external accolades. I'm a, I've been a professional speaker uh, for 32 years. And, you know, I did it because standing in front of a group of people, of course, that takes a lot of guts and saying things that were controversial and and contrarian but actually correct <laughs> created a lot of value it created for me a lot of personal self value because other people said oh i see your point i think that's really smart wow you know i never thought about it that way and and so i got a lot of accolades outside of me that indicated that yes i was the smartest guy in the room that was my illusion i was an i was a hyper achiever you know, always writing another speech, always writing another article, always writing another book, always making another. It was exhausting. Mm. And at the end of the day, I was actually pretty much an asshole. Wow. But I figured out that really wasn't getting me where I wanted to go. I was exhausted. I was tired. And no matter how hard I worked, it seemed like I couldn't achieve what I was looking to achieve. So I had this epiphany one day is, you know, Mark, you're nothing but a human doing. What you really need to do is become a human being. And that meant stop the action and start the contemplation. And then out of that contemplation, take right action that has huge impact. A lot of people, and I was taught this by my family, you know, if you're just sitting there, you're not accomplishing anything. And what I've realized is sitting there contemplating, thinking actively about a particular topic is doing a lot. And then I could take right action because it was perfectly formed and it had impact and value and irrelevance. And so instead of hustling all the time, I work very little, but I think a hell of a lot. And the end result is I'm a heck of a lot happier. And, you know, here's something I shared with you earlier in our conversation. I think your listener would find quite useful. When we contemplate others' words, we gain knowledge. When we contemplate our own words, we gain wisdom. And when we contemplate the words of the universe, we gain enlightenment. Oh. And, and so that it's, it's that what are you contemplating? What are you thinking about that allows you to bring new value to the world instead of just hustling yourself along? And so what I did is I stopped the hustle and began the exploration of new ideas. What do I need to bring to the planet that the planet needs to hear now to heal it? 
And that's why I want to work with vision makers that want to change the world is because they're out to heal the planet, but they often don't have the time to sit and contemplate as I've arranged my life to sit and contemplate and to think about all these aspects and to ask the questions and the answers come and to, to seek. And I do get the answers and, and, to, and I find them. And that's my shift in mindset. It's not for everybody. It just happens to work for me in my season of my life. I couldn't be a nomad when I was raising five children. I had to be, had to have my feet on the ground. And so I could generate large sums of money to take these extremely intelligent human beings who entrusted their raising to me and, and to Molly and to, and to be able to supply them with the experiences that they needed to, to be, to, to have a perspective beyond the average individual in a world where learned helplessness was the educational strategy. So I couldn't do that then, but now that my children are grown-ups and they all have their own careers and they're all successful, I can be a nomad. And while Molly and I are no longer together as a couple, we still love each other. We are still great friends and she is on her journey beyond parenting as I am on my journey beyond parenting. Yeah. We go through seasons, no regrets, very successful, something new something that is now for me a, a way to to be able to help people with that perspective so they can achieve what their vision is yeah yeah i really like what you said about taking the time to contemplate and i very much relate to that you know i come from a long period of hustle and there's still some hustle inside of me and it's, it's all good. You're, you're just, that's your season. Yeah. And sometimes I bring it out and sometimes I pull it back. You know, I, I, I start seeing it more as a tool than as a lifestyle. And right on. <laughs> and it's one, a tool. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not, not an a, identity. It's, it's not an identity. It's a yes, tool. Yes, exactly. Not a destination where you live your life because it's not sustainable. And you said something about the contemplation that also brings up, you know, you and I are part of a, of a very large network with a lot of change makers. And one of the leaders in that network, he was giving that example about Donald Trump. You know, whether you're a fan of Donald Trump or not is not part of the conversation. But he said that the man takes about two hours in silence just sitting down, thinking through his day, what he's going to do, what he wants to focus on, what he's going to accomplish for two hours. And that just tells you something. And for me, that is, you know, and I do this with my clients, the difference between a quality and a quantity mindset. You know, quantity is it, as much done as humanly possible. Quality is looking at, instead of saying 10 actions today, what are the two to three actions that will move the needle forward for me in, in ways that the 10 actions could never accomplish and honoring myself? May I embroider on your tapestry a little bit? Please. Quality is what makes quantity valuable. Quantity is what makes quantity valuable. Mm. Yes. Yes. If it's just quantity without quality, there is no value in just hustling. Yes, I like that. I like that a lot. And I want to I explore a little bit about this mindset. 
you know, this, this, this show is called The Self-Doubt Solution. And I would love to hear, you know, two things. What's your experience been with self-doubt? And I know that you shared with me at the beginning of the conversation uh, around this idea of chaos. Now, when self-doubt is in my mind and it gets to a peak experience, that's definitely chaos. I'm like, oh my goodness. And then what I do is I, you know, I step outside of that. But I would love to hear from you. What's your experience been with self-doubt and this whole chaos? And how do you navigate through that? Gladly. I'll be delighted to do that. And, you know, we, we've had a long conversation before even getting to the con the topic that we were going to talk about, but it's all good. What we've covered has been extraordinary. Yes. I, I want to make one comment before I dig into that. And that Please. is Donald Trump's, you know, two hours of contemplation at the beginning of the day is what allows him to get so much stuff done. Because he plots the path, he sees what needs to be done, he thinks about it, he identifies all those elements. And that behavior is, is common amongst executives that accomplish enormous things, but rarely do they share with people that that is what they do. And to summarize that, change makers, vision makers, have more on their to think list than on their to do list. Ooh, I love that. And that is one of the differences between executives and entrepreneurs. I, uh, I conduct a multi-day class on helping entrepreneurs think like an executive. An entrepreneur will only get you, an entrepreneurial thinking will only get you so far. If you, if you want to go farther, you have to switch your mindset to that of an executive where you stop doing and start leading and start thinking. And so I created a class that it reveals to people exactly that. It's multiple days. It's a lot of content. It's a mind blower. Unfortunately, COVID shut down the schedule. We'll, we're looking at ways to reopen that later on this year. And you know, Mario, I'd love for you to come and experience that. You would, uh, you would really contribute and would probably radically change your vision of how, how all this works. Um, but okay, let's get to, to the concept of self-doubt and chaos. Self-doubt always comes when our mind creates an illusion that if you don't know, you can't do. That's all. That's always the source of self-doubt. I don't know, therefore I can't do that creates the doubt. And so one of the first things that you must do is flush out this concept of I don't know, I can't do. That's learned helplessness. You gotta clear that out of your mind. And the antidote to that is to do things you've never done before every day. Mm. That's the only antidote. It's the only way is to go do things you've never gone, you've done every day. Well, what that means is you might go to a different grocery store to shop. What that means is that you might walk up to a stranger and start a conversation. What that means is that you might read a magazine you've never picked up before. What that means is that you might place a phone call to somebody that you hate. Ooh, that feels kind of scary. But those are the kind of situations that allow us to get through the self-doubt of, if I don't know, I can't do. And once you get to the point of bringing into your mind, the mind of an explorer, explorers always go places they've never been before. 
their world is 100% in chaos. I live the explorer lifestyle. Every month I'm in a different place and I've got to figure out where to get a haircut. I got to figure out where to get groceries. I got to figure out where, where to get everything. I got to figure all that stuff out. I don't have any friends in town, so I got to make, I got to make friends. I, I, it's, it is 100% disruptive and it's partially that's the reason why I do it is because the only way I can grow is by stepping outside of my comfort zone every day. It's a process. It's an experience. And you do that for 90 days, I guarantee you, your self-doubt's going to disappear because you know you can figure it out. You know the answer is there. You just have to discover it. Now, I find something very interesting. A lot of people with self-doubt really love video games. Why? Because when they're in the video game, nobody knows that they have self-doubt, yet they're spending their entire time exploring things they don't know. Hmm. How amazing is that? They're so close. They're so close. But in the video game, you know, there's no consequence other than you respawn. Yes. Right? Yes. <laughs> so video games are a panacea that temporarily relieves this concept of self-doubt but never really installs the antidote to self-doubt. So stop playing video games and go out there and play the real game and your self-doubt's gonna go away. So when you have self-doubt, what that means is when you step into a new situation, you'll view it as chaos. And chaos just simply means you don't yet recognize the pattern. That's all it means. There's a mm. pattern that you do not recognize. If you recognize the pattern, then you'd know what to do. But since you haven't seen this pattern before, you have no idea, in which case you have self-doubt, I don't know how to deal with this chaos. So a clear mindset allows one to see the pattern in the chaos. And our job is to figure that out. So I want to talk about mindset for a moment. Mindset, in my opinion, is the hot word that has very loose definitions. People really have all kinds of definitions. You know, you have an open mindset, you have a closed mindset. The way that I look at mindset, it's the lenses that you use to view the world. For example, how you relate to time, how you relate to money, how you relate to risk, how you relate to data, how you relate to people. Let's kind of unpack that for a moment. How do you relate to time? Is everything short term? Are you looking far out into the future? Or do you have a balanced blend of short, medium, long, and very long term vision of time? interesting thing about time is the farther in the future that you go, the more chaos there is because there's more uncertainty. Right. And to look into the future uh, requires a high level of cognitive capacity. Cognitive capacity is the ability to deal with complexity. The more your cognitive capacity, the more complexity you can deal with. The lower your cognitive capacity, the less complexity you can deal with. Most people with an average IQ of around 95, IQ is a rough measurement of ability to handle complexity. Some people with an average of, 90, of 95, that means they can handle the complexity of going to work, raising a family, going on vacation. And they tend, tend to decrease their level of complexity by going to the same place for vacation every year. <laughs> no surprises. Boring boring for me not boring for them there's no judgment here it is right for them but not right for me right and that's the difference between discernment and judgment discernment is what's right for me judgment is what's right for them yeah that's that's the difference between the two yeah and discernment is great judgment creates um 
creates grievances and grievances destroys our ability to, to do things. It yeah. creates blind spots. Yeah. So, you know, our relationship with money, do you see money as a tool? Do you see as money as something to be hoarded? Do you see money as a scarce commodity? Do you see as money as being unlimited? Do you see money as being evil? Do you see money as nothing more than universal energy in a form that we can trade with people clearly? Whatever happens to be your relationship with money is gonna create your mindset or risk. Now, risk is a judgment. What's risky for some is riskless to others. And risk is nothing more than than fear. Fear and risk are identical. Right. The only difference is in business, you can't as an executive say, I'm afraid. So you have to say, is, you say, I sense risk. Or you say, I'm stressed. So well, stress is related to loss of control. If you don't have control over something that you're, you are assigned control over, that's what creates stress. Yeah. Right. That's all that it is. You know, people are stressed at work because they're supposed to be controlling something over which they don't feel they have control. And, and a lot of times that's the case. The key performance indicators that are placed on them, they have zero control over. Right. Like for example, in sales, the key performance indicator is frequently quota. Well, you have no control over when your customer spends money. Exactly. You have no control over your customer's bank account. How the hell can you meet quota when you have zero control over the behavior of customers? And, and, and you know, a listener might be thinking, well, you, you do that by hustling. Yeah, you go talk to more people and you know, it's a numbers game. Yet, if that hustle is working, then you're not stressed. But if the hustle is not working, then you do have stress. Stress is nothing more than feeling like you don't have control over something you should. Should is the magical word. Should have control over. And should is an indication of illusion. Yes. So, you know, how you relate to risk is part of your mindset, how you relate to people as a mindset. Do you, you know, do you see them as generous? Do you see them as kind? Do you, do you see them as deceiving? Do you see them as, as being there to steal from you? So mindset sets the uh, threshold for personal success. Mm. You dropped so many valuable golden nuggets. And one of the things <laughs> that I love. Don't pick them up. <laughs> They're definitely going to re-listen to our conversation. And, and one of the things you said is also one of the things that I see so frequently. And, and, and I like to play this game. You know, when people tell me, you know, I don't know, as you said earlier, I don't know, therefore I doubt myself. Because what if I don't find the solution? And so often I find that people say, I don't know. And we talked about this earlier as a means to protect themselves yes. from, oh, I really do know. And so once we introduce the element of play, mm -hmm. the doubt starts to silence itself. Because then you're like, well, there's no much risk there. It's just a game, you know, we're just playing. So and then all of a sudden the truth comes up and then you're like, oh, oh, that's here. Oh, and then there's another layer of doubt. Well, now I can act, act on it. And what if it doesn't work out? I don't know if it's going to work out. Oh, I don't know if I can handle that. So. Do you have maybe like a, say you're going through your day and say you're, you forget the truth of the concepts that you already know happens. And then, you know, the doubt comes up and then you pick it up and you can become aware of it. What would be like a couple steps that you personally take to get yourself back to this place of remembering? Uh, I think the most powerful one is... Think back to a time when you had serious self-doubt about your capacity to achieve something. 
and you achieved it. And put yourself in that same state of knowing that you achieved once you figured out the path. One of the things that removes self-doubt is to move from doubt to certainty. And the reality is doubt all comes, all right, doubt has two functions. Function one is to test whether this is something you really want to do or not. And when doubt comes up, you can say, no, this is something I really want to do. Take that fork. Or, you know, I, maybe I really don't want to do this. Fine. Well, then that's a decision point. Doubt creates decision points. Mm. That's the first function. Like that. The second function of the second function of doubt is to remind you that you've temporarily lost your connection to your source. Because your source guarantees that if you ask, you shall receive, and if you seek, you shall find. It simply means I have temporarily lost my North Star of connection to my source. And so you can you can use the one methodology one methodology of going back to I've done this before I've been through this before I did okay I won or you can say you know um, I need to stop and I need to spend a little time in contemplation and reconnect to that all-knowing all all being energy field that permeates the universe and say help me remember something that I forgot help me remember that which I no longer can recall the challenge that we have is that we have gone to school for from 13 to 17 years beyond if you have a higher degree where we were taught you know if you don't know you can't do where we were taught to say i don't know and in fact a lot of people say it's okay to say i don't know well it is as long as you follow it with yet i don't know yet That's the piece that's missing from so from so many people's mindset. I don't know yet, but I'll figure it out. So we have to fix the I don't know programming, which our mind will be really good at blocking us from seeing that honey in the cupboard that we're going to add to the tea that you pointed out to the, I'm going to find it. Yeah. It's here. It's a game. Ooh, look at this. I've played a trick on myself. I put the honey someplace that I didn't remember where I put it. Now I have to go through the process of remembering where I put the honey. And the way that I look at that is I pl I'm playing tricks on myself. But that's that's how I consider those kind of situations. Ah, I played a joke on myself. Okay, I've got to go find this. I've got to go find this thing that that I know is here, and somehow I played a trick on myself. And it's a practical joke. I play a practical joke on myself. But you see how reframing it as a practical joke on yes. myself keeps you from getting angry at yourself. Yes, it keeps you from attacking yourself and all self-anger destroys our capacity to vision self-anger destroys our capacity to vision yeah. we have to love ourselves completely we have to love the weight that we are at the strength that we are at the ability for us to see with, without glasses our, our capacity to hear we, we have to love where we are for us to to create Creation is blocked by self-doubt. It's blocked by anger. It's blocked by self-attack. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I, as, as you were speaking, what comes up for me is all you need to do is come back home. Yes. 
That's it. The solution remains the same. It's always the same solution to the problem. Yeah. The problem is just a variation of a theme. You just forgot. Yeah. You know, I, I had this conversation uh, uh, lately with, with my mom. You know, we, you know, just, she, we, did, we had a conversation and she said something that hurt me and she didn't even pick it up. And then I swallowed it and I said, ah, she didn't mean it, you know, whatever, I, I'm fine, I can deal with that. And I sat with that for probably a week and it started growing because I started entertaining a story and it became bigger and bigger and bigger. And eventually I said, what are you doing, Mario? She's your mother, she loves you. She, she doesn't mean that, just call her and just talk to her. And I did exactly that. And you know, I had a little cry and she said to me, it's like, it's like what are you doing? It's like, I'm your mother. I love you just the way you are. You don't have to prove anything to me. Like, you can always call me and tell me exactly, hey, mom, what you said, you know, that hurt. Just let me know. No big deal. And it was resolved within a minute, which I had been sitting on for, on a, for a week. So that brings me to this notion of come back home because home is where you are loved exactly the way you are, not the way you think you should be. Yes. And that's when the doubt just yes. trickles away. Yes. Yes. So we are have... so good. We are so good at, at creating illusions. Now you spent a week creating an illusion about <laughs> what your mother's intention was. It's you know, and, and but but the point is, we can make any illusion that we want. And, and there's this philosophy which is fairly high conscious, which is the people that push your buttons are there to remind you you've lost connection. Yes, those who trigger you the most are your biggest teachers. That's exactly right. And they are there to Thank teach you. you a lesson. Thank you. Once, exactly. Thank you. <laughs> once you get past that trigger, it's a lesson you don't have to have again. Yes. And so you, you bless those that hate you that, because they're the ones that are showing you where you have to refine your illusion. Yeah. Oh. Or so eliminate. I, I want to ask you. I want to ask you two more questions. You know, with an awareness of time, I want to respect your time. You've been sharing a lot of wisdom with us today, a lot of practical, practical ancient concepts packaged into something that actually makes sense that we can start using. I love that. Now, you and I have spent more time together, and I consider you one of my great mentors. And I would love to well, ask I, well, you. That's kind. That's kind. That's kind of you. I consider you to be a great friend. I appreciate that. <laughs> and, you know, you have so much wisdom. And I want to know if you had one hour and you can spend, could choose freely who to spend that time with, dead or alive, who would that be? That's a tough one. I actually have two people I'd rather, I'd like to spend time with. Okay, two is fine. One is Albert Einstein. I'd like for him to help me understand his contemplation process, which allowed him to bring forth the theory of relativity. Wow. It is such a radical concept that changed our view of our reality forever. What was your contemplation process that allowed that to enter your mind? Because I would love to have the capacity to bring ideas that powerful to the world. That's the first person I would like to spend time with. And that's the specific thing I'd like to understand from him. Mm. The second thing is, the second one is I would love to hang out with Jesus Christ. I'll tell you why. I want to taste the wine. His first miracle is turning water into wine, and you know that was freaking amazing stuff. I want to taste the wine that he manifested. 
uh, there's a second question I wanted to ask him, and that is, when you performed your miracles, what was going through your mind? What was the mindset that allowed you to perform these amazing miracles of healing? <clears throat> because ultimately, our job on this planet is to heal. As change makers, our calling, our job is to heal. It's to heal people's wounds. It's to, it's to heal people's psychological wounds, to see the value they are as a, a great human being that's maybe been squashed down and stepped on to hold them back. We're here to heal poverty. We're here to heal poverty mindsets. We're here to, to heal lack. And that's what all change makers and all vision makers have in mind is some form of, of healing that allows people then to be their very best and for us to elevate the consciousness of the planet. And uh, so I would spend time with a couple of people that did that so I could understand their thought processes or their how what they put their mind the state they put their mind into to do so yeah yeah that's a beautiful answer and i would my answer would have been jesus as well for sure and it's interesting how my own journey has brought me much more into the direction of healing than than winning and succeeding it used to be all about success and winning and then i realized what i really want what i thought would is what the success and the winning would give me is the healing so now instead i go straight to the healing where success and winning is a byproduct of that it happens naturally i don't have to enforce it i don't have to hustle for it it's just something that is like like water you know it, it continues to flow and as it flows it nourishes everything in its path and some things are also destroyed by it but then it makes room for a new creation. So I love, I love that response. And I have one more question for you. And that is, yes. you know, and it fits that you today mentioned uh, playing games. So let's say you had access to a magical cheat code that would allow you to instantly 10x any area of your life. What would that be and why? I would have 10 times the number of conversations with vision makers mm. because those conversations would lead to everything else. For me, a deeper understanding of vision makers, a deeper understanding of their vision for healing the planet. And as a side note, what's the purpose of healing? To bring peace. The goal of life is to experience peace. And the, the goal of, of all vision making and change making is to bring peace. When we're fed, we are at peace. When we are healed, we are at peace. When we are loved, we are at peace. Peace is the ultimate destination for everything that we ultimately do. From peace, everything good comes forth. All great relationships, all abundance comes out of peace. So my cheat code would be to have 10 times the conversations with vision makers. I want more conversations with people that want to change the world. Mm, I love that. All right. So I love what you shared about being able to have a cheat code that allows you to talk to so many more vision makers all, all across our beautiful earth. And now I think it is a perfect time to share with our audience what you have in store for them as your free gift to them. Well, uh, I'm going to use your podcast here is a way for me to take advantage of my cheat code. And that is if you're a vision maker and you believe that my perspective can help you create clarity 
and better define a path and better avoid the traps, realizing that I have 40 years of experiencing experience guiding people on this path. And I've written many, many books illustrating how to do that, that I do have experience and authority plus the humility to learn because that's required. And you'd like to have me as one of the sages in your corner helping you remember things. Then let's have a conversation. It's just that simple. And the way to do that is simply this. My cell phone is in the United States, area code 719-440-0439. That's 719-440-0439. Now you might be thinking, Mark, are you out of your freaking mind passing out your cell phone number in public? Yeah, of course. Well, the answer is I've been handing out my cell phone number in public for 42 years. And the only people that call me are those that want to talk to me. They're not bothering me. They're not trying to sell me stuff. They want to have a conversation. And some of my very best friends on this planet are those who I handed my cell phone number out in one of the 2000 speeches that I've given. And they said, Mark, I want to have a conversation. And we did. Wow. I love that's that. How you got a whole, you know, even though we're the same part of the same association, that's how you reached me. You texted me because mm -hmm. I handed out my phone number in one of our meetings. Yeah, yeah it's that's true. It it's true. And I admire that and, and really want to acknowledge you for that because that takes courage. Because the first thing that popped up in my mind was like, ooh, cell phone number to a lot of people that don't know you. There might be some Indian scam bot that wants to sell you some cryptocurrency. Um, but I, I know how to, I know how to, hand, how to handle that. That one's pretty, pretty simple. Really. The, the best thing to do is if you want to reach me, send me a text message. Yeah. Say you, you heard me on the, uh, the podcast and I would enjoy a conversation with you and we'll schedule 20 minutes and I'll be yeah. glad to talk to 20, 20 minutes with anybody about any topic other than what you're selling. Yeah. I love that. Mark, that, that was powerful. And uh, I want to thank you for your time. This has been an enlightening conversation. We, you dropped a lot of golden nuggets, a lot of practical wisdom, and you really are a sage. And I can only highly, highly, highly recommend anyone listening to The Self-Doubt Solution in this episode with Mark as one of our OGs. Reach out to him. It's <laughs> worth the time. You will be you will be pleasantly surprised as to how much depth and and love and and insights come from this uh, this young soul. And uh, I thank you for the time that you shared with me today. And I look forward to having more conversations uh, to dive deeper into the world of consciousness. Thank you, Mario. It's been an honor to be here. I'm, I'm, I'm humbled and appreciative that you invited me on your show. And boy, do we have things to talk about. All righty, Mark, I look forward to it. Thank you so much. And thank you everyone for tuning into the Self-Doubt Solution. And I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.